Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action. I can guarantee you it's one area of the building I won't be using because we all know how little time I'm spending in any weight room. A lot of crazy scenarios that can happen and need to happen for the defending MAC tournament champions. Uh, the assist numbers spoke for themselves. Looking forward to the trip down to Akron. Uh, sure, Akron. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. A new era has begun on the Eastern Michigan campus. Welcome into the Eastern Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Steiner. I'm Alex Jewell. We have a jam-packed show today. We do not have a ton of basketball, but we lead off the show with a basketball-related news. The 30th head coach in Eastern Michigan history has uh, been named. Stan Heath is coming back home. A graduate of Eastern Michigan, a three-year letter winner at EMU, will be coming back to be named the program's 30th head coach. Eastern will officially have a press conference tomorrow, meaning Tuesday, if you're listening to this on Monday. At 10.30 a.m., you can watch that on your Eastern Michigan mobile app or go to emueagles.com. We'll have all the coverage for you, but Alex, Stan Heath coming back home. It's a big day for Eastern Michigan men's basketball, a big day for Eastern Michigan basketball. Heck, a big day for the athletic department and the university as a whole, Greg. Certainly an exciting time to welcome in Stan Heath, as you mentioned, the new men's basketball coach here at Eastern Michigan. And something so special, Greg, because not only is he an alum, but when Scott Weatherby began this search to find the new leader of the program, he talked to everybody from student athletes, alums, students, everybody you can think of and asked what they wanted in a head coach. And one of the things that was most prevalent in the discussions was that it needed to be somebody who had EMU connections and that had great coaching experience. If that was the goal, then Scott Weatherby tossed a dart and hit a bullseye because not only is Stan Heath an alum and someone that played under legendary coach Ben Braun, but he's also somebody that has 17 years of head coaching experience. He's been a coach of the year on multiple conferences, multiple times. He's been to an Elite Eight. He's been to four NCAA tournaments. Oh, and he just added G League champion uh, to his resume this past year. So somebody that automatically will come into the Mac, Greg, and have more coaching chops than just about anybody he's going up against in this conference. Yeah, you were dead right on that. We could not be more thrilled for him to get the opportunity to come back home. We will have more on Coach Heath's hiring coming up in the following weeks as we will dedicate an entire show to get to know him better as well as hear from Scott Weatherby to talk through the hiring process. So be tuned in in the upcoming weeks to the Eastern Insider Podcast as we'll do that. However, this week is an exciting week around Eastern Michigan's campus. It is time for the Mid-American Conference Swimming and Diving Championships. That'll take place this week at Jones Natatorium on main campus as the conference descends on Ypsilanti to swim. It is also a critical weekend because it is the culmination of spring practice for EMU football. And we get things kicked off with the one of the newest members of the Eastern Michigan family in offensive line coach Sean Coughlin as we get a chance to catch up with him. And Alex, talk about a guy that can make you want to push around some people. Sean Coughlin's your dude. I'll tell you, we were sitting in there doing the interview with him. And by the time it was over, I was a little bit sweaty. I was a little bit amped up. I wanted to go out there and hit some people. And I know that wouldn't be good for my health. But Sean Coughlin, you know, Greg, offensive line coaches always get this rap as being kind of the hard heads, blue collar. And I think Sean Coughlin fits that mold in the way. But you'll really love hearing from him today because 
He's so well-spoken, has so many great things to say, and does a great job, by the way. Already, remember, he's only been here for a few months, completely breaking down his offensive line, telling you who to look out for, who's been impressive, how they're going to impact the offense for Eastern Michigan football. So if you're someone that really wants to get an inside look, and that's what we try to get you on this show, an inside look of how Eastern Michigan football's offense is going to operate, there's no better person to talk to right now than Sean Coughlin. He certainly was fantastic, and it was great to have him on the show. And and if you listen to the W. WEMU broadcast over the years. You know Rob Rubick always talks about you can watch the offensive line. If you watch them, you know how things are going to take place. Well, this will be your chance to go inside that offensive lineman's room and find out directly from the source. So we talked to Coach Coughlin as Eastern Michigan wraps up their spring practice. That will come on Friday, 4.30. It is an open practice for those who are in the area. There will be no media coverage on emueagles.com because of so many other sports going on. Baseball's at home this weekend, as are the swimming championships week. Already know tennis is at home, and that's not even taking in the fact that golf's on the road, tracks on the road, you, you name it, is competing this weekend. So we hope uh, get a chance to tune in and check out the interview. We also wrap up the day with kind of the dean of Mid American Conference announcers. If you think of the finest Mac moments you can think of, Michael Ragai has probably been the man calling it from behind the microphone. A first of a two part series with Reg that we catch up with him to talk a multitude of topics and really pick his brain and the man has called mac football and basketball for 30 years he knows what he's talking about greg i consider myself a junior emu historian i'm not as old as some people on this podcast so i don't have quite as much to go down the wormhole with i consider you a great emu historian you've been here for 20 years and certainly can remember your fair share of details off the top of your head then we interviewed reg and i don't know that there's somebody who by the way is not necessarily directly affiliated with the school that can tell you as much to the T detail about some of those great basketball teams in the late 80s and 90s, football, the resurgence, what he's seen. He can name specific players. He can do that, by the way, for every school in this conference. And that just shows you how impressive his pedigree is. So truly, truly a treat to go down the road here with Michael Regai and get a, a discussion with him. He's somebody that can talk, Greg, as are we. You know that. I mean, to be a commentator, you have to be able to talk. So our interview went way over our allotted time. So that's why we've said, hey, you know what? We're going we're gonna to cut it. We're going to leave it how it is, and we're going to split it into two parts. So you'll hear the first part of the interview today, Greg, and really that's a great way to get it set up. He talks a lot about his youth in Detroit, how he got into broadcasting, the impact that it's had on his life and, and EMU specifically. But then when we come back in a few weeks with the second part, you'll hear a lot more about the football program here at Eastern, the basketball program, how it's progressed, and all of his advice for up-and-coming broadcasters. So a great way to get in tune with Michael here the next couple of weeks and really connect with him. Uh, certainly a fantastic interview and the back end of just a jam-packed show. Yeah, it is a jam-packed show. We've talked so much already. We know it's time to get out of the way because you want to hear from those in the know. That's why we will step aside. For this rebroadcast or anything you ever want to go to, go to emueagles.com because you can watch things, you can download things, you can get it on your app. 
we, we might even send out homing pigeons by the end of this just to get information in your hand. But we want you to follow the Eagles any way you can. There's never been more ways to follow all things Eastern Michigan Athletics. And remember, get on social media. Go on to emueagles.com this week because if you want to know all the latest and greatest news about Stan Heath and the rest of Eastern Michigan Athletics, there's no better place to do it than with our official accounts. You can follow EMU Athletics on Twitter, Facebook. Go to emueagles.com, emueagles.com slash podcasts. Or, Greg, if you don't want to touch any buttons, all you have to do is say, Alexa, play the Eastern Insider podcast, and she'll whip it up right there for you. So all of that, a jam-packed show. Stay with us. We'll take a quick break. You're listening to the Eastern Insider podcast, the only show that brings you all things Eastern every single time. Be sure to download the Eastern Michigan Game Day app, available in the App Store and Google Play. The EMU Athletics app features live video, real-time social streams, scoreboards, stats, and more. An entire app dedicated to Eastern Athletics. Download the EMU Athletics app today. Countdown to the Eagles spring game is fully in store. We're joined alongside one of the newest Eagles coaches, and that is EMU offensive line coach, Sean Coughlin. Welcome to the show, and welcome to your time in Ypsilanti. It's been an interesting journey for you to, to get here. How's the adjustment been uh, so far to getting with Coach Creighton and, and company inside the factory? No, yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Um, Yo, know, it's been it's been really a uh, really easy transition. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes back to um, just the the culture that's been created here by Coach Creighton amongst the players and amongst the staff. Um, you know, I've, I've had some previous relationship with guys on the staff. I've known Coach Sewell for, for a long time from his time at Indiana State and when he was at CSU Pueblo and my time at Missouri State. And just we have some common friends and got to know each other over time. And then actually I was a graduate assistant at Iowa State when LaMarcus Hicks was playing for us there. Um, and so I've obviously kept in touch with him for for a number of years, but uh, had had met Coach Creighton before because he became the head coach at my alma mater at Drake, and uh, you know the stars aligned and and just uh, worked out to be a great opportunity, and and it's really been an easy transition, and uh, really enjoyed my time so far up here. Most recently, you were at Arkansas State uh, working there, and but before that, Missouri State. In your football journey, everybody has a moment where where football starts to become a passion for them and, and really do you, do you remember that moment where, where football just kind of clicked and it, it was your thing that you, you just fell in love with yeah you know I'd probably have to give the credit to that moment probably when I was playing in college uh, I always loved football and, and appreciated the coaches and the time that they gave uh, to me and to help me develop as a as a person and as a player and and just the relationships that you shared and you built but uh, my head coach in college was Rob Ash uh, who had a really long career at Drake and then went on to Montana State and took that program to another level and then is now retired and, and kind of enjoying some some time away. But, you know, he uh, I took a class. He 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 taught, you know, at Drake, he had to teach as a head coach a little bit once in a while, but he taught a uh, football theory class. And uh, I took the football theory class with him and just really was able to dive into more about what coaching is about, what leadership was about, uh, some of those different avenues and aspects, because my thought process, I want to go to law school and become a sports agent. That's what I wanted to do. My thought process was play at Drake, get my history, political science degree, go to Drake Law School, and then try to chase an opportunity to be a sports agent. And Coach Ash said, you know, I think you'd do, a, I think you'd be a great coach. And so he got me thinking. I took that in my first semester of junior year, I believe it was, or second semester of junior year. And it got me thinking, you know, maybe that's what I want to do. So I added some educational stuff to think maybe I wanted to teach, to just have some different different avenues. And when I got done playing, 
um, you know, I knew that's what I wanted to do. The more and more I thought about it, the more and more I thought, man, this is really what I want to do. And, uh, you know, my, my parents always told me that if you do something you love and you have a passion for, you never work a day in your life. And so I've been doing this for 21 years and that's how I felt. I've, I don't think I've ever had to work a day. I mean, obviously there's a lot of time and commitment that you make, but, but it's uh, the ability to help young people make a difference in their lives, develop bonds and relationships with the players, with the coaches that last for forever and ever in a lifetime. And, and to me, that's what I think makes college athletics so so special is the relationships and the bonds that are created and people that over time you just you know you build a a, a group of close-knit people that man you can always call on them for something and uh you know even if you haven't talked in a while so i think that's uh it's pretty special that's what college athletics athletics is all about coach i know that this pandemic and the lingering precautions kind of moving moving on have kept us from being down on the field as much as normal to see you guys so we haven't gotten to meet quite in person yet but I always talk on this show about my experience as an undergrad here at Eastern I, I spent four years as an undergraduate equipment manager spent a couple of those years with the offensive line and the wide receivers so I've seen and gotten to know a fair share of, of coaches and and see their style the offensive line coaches always kind of have that mentality of being down and dirty, gritty, blue collar. Is that your style or what, what's something that a uh, Sean Coughlin led offensive line will, will look to have uh, as you continue to build your group here? Yeah, I think, you know, to a, to a T, you cross the T and you dot the I. And I think that's what most offensive line coaches are looking for. Um, you know, my big thing is uh, I grew up just outside of Chicago and uh, I really fall on this background a lot. My grandfather was a was a meat packer. He owned a meat packing business. And so when I was young, um, on our days off from school, I wouldn't just sit home. I would go to work with him at 4 a.m. And that was a highlight of my day. And I thought that was awesome. And I just saw what it meant to roll your sleeves up and you go to work every single day. And that's the same mentality that I carried with me as a player. Uh, that's the same mentality I've carried with me as a coach. Um, I think that's the same mentality. You got to approach uh, school, academics, whatever it is. You got you to roll your sleeves up and go to work. Uh, relationships for that matter. You got to roll your sleeves up and go to work. I mean, you just can't sit and bide your time and hope something happens. If you want something to happen, you got to go attack it. And I think up front, more than anything, you know, the game is won in the trenches and you've got to play at a high level and you got to have guys that are willing to go to work and they're willing to, to put the time and effort in and the, and the mentality that, that, uh, you know, you're going to lead this football team, um, you know, and, and make sure that your, your counterparts have success. Cause that's the thing about that position. I mean, you, you get none of the recognition, which is fine that you know that when you get into it and that's okay, that's not a big deal, but the game and what happens for us offensively is going to come down to what you do. So, you know, you're going to see to me, you know, I want to, I want us to be great at the things that take no talent. So I want to out effort, right. I want to out physical, um, I want us to play with a blue collar mentality. Uh, I want us to be, uh, I want people to think when they get done playing us or when we're working out there saying, man, those guys are really putting in, putting in the time or continuing to grind or continuing to get after it. And, you know, everybody talks about the grind, like the grind's a bad thing, you know, um, grind's not a bad thing, man. Grind stands for get ready. It's a new day right? It's time to go attack the next day. That's how you got to look at the grind. The grind is not a negative. Uh, and I think you got to fall in love with the process. And that's, that's really be how you become successful is that, you know, you got to fall in love with the intricate details and, and the things that you got to do over and over and over again in order to be successful. And that's how you're going to have, you know, you're going to gain that opportunity to do that. But, you know, I want us to come out, be blue collar. I want us to be tough and physical. I want us to have a mindset and a mentality that, that, um, 
we're just going to keep chopping. You know, we're going to keep chopping wood and we're going to keep working and um, you're going to hit us in the mouth. We're going to come right back and hit you in the mouth. And that's, you know, really what you want. You want that blue collar, tough, physical uh, mindset from the guys up front. And it's not only from a physical standpoint, it's from a mental standpoint, because you got to be, you know, you got to be mentally tough and that's hard to teach, but it's hard to beat. If you can get that taught and you can get guys that find it, it's hard to beat guys that are mentally tough. And so we want to be able to have that as well. One of the luxuries that you have is bringing a lot an upperclassman laden offensive line back, Jake Donnellan, Mike Van Hoven, City Sal, just to, to name a few. As you look at how spring practice has been going, how have those guys been adjusting to your mentality? And, and who are maybe some of the, the younger guys that, that people should be taking notice that, that are going to make a big time impact as well. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, the, the offensive line that they had here, uh, I, I, that was what one of the things I was really excited about and drawn to, uh, obviously the chance to work with coach Creighton and the staff and, and just got a ton of respect for, for what he's built and the mentality that he has. And, you know, every day in the office, you need to enjoy what you're doing. And uh, so that was the number one thing, right? And then when you look back at the offensive line and the talent and the, re- and the returners ahead coming back, you know, that was really intriguing and exciting. And I think, you know, um, you know, I know that I replaced Coach Patton, and I think Coach Patton's a really, really good football coach. And, uh, and I think he's brought, you know, he brought some great, you know, great things to the table. And I want to build upon what they've had from success offensively here the last few years. And, and, um, but when you look at Mike Van Hoven and, and Jake Donlin and, and, you know, those guys having the, the ability to come back for another senior season and, and do that. And, you know, you can tell that, you know, when you're in your last year, you just, you just, you know, there's just something about that. You know, you just know that yeah, this is, this is your last opportunity 11 for spring practice coming up. This is your last time going through those things. And I think it makes it that much more special, but those guys have been fantastic. Uh, I love the standard that's been set in that room. We've continued to try to build on that. Um, the mentality they bring every day to work. I mean, they just got uh, just a great mindset and, they, and that, and that carries over to the rest of the crew. You know, if your older guys carry that mentality into practice every day and they go out, they enjoy it. They love it. They want to get out there and get going. Uh, that trickles down into the young guys. And if you can continue to build that right and continue to establish that culture throughout, that's going to really take care of things as the future of Eastern Michigan football continues. And that's how you leave your mark, right? You need to leave your mark on the program. And I think those guys have continued to do that, but really excited about them. Really excited about city. I think city's an ultra talented football player. Like I said, Jake and Mike have improved tremendously this spring. We've done some different things from a fundamental and um, standpoint that I think they've, they've really taken to, uh, I think Brian Dooley, uh, is a really, really good football player. Um, Marcellus Johnson, uh, really, really excited about him as well. I think that th- those older guys, you know, have really established themselves and established the, the culture that they want to create and the mindset of what it takes to be successful. And, and uh, but we've got some young guys, I think, that are really, really stepping up and, and I think have a chance to, to really help us. And, uh, you know, you look at some of those guys like Zachariah Kadri is a guy that was brought in here, you know, kind of has been a rotational guy some, and he's done a nice job kind of, you know, playing some different, playing both tackle spots, really trying to work to find and, and push and competition, right? That's the number one thing I told our guys, you know, there is no depth chart right now. There's just competition all over this board. And I want you guys to understand that 
Nothing is set in stone right now. And just because you rep with the ones or you're out there with the ones doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the one. The, the competition is always going. There's somebody gunning for your opportunity, and that's what we want. Because the more competition we have, the better performance you're going to have. But Zachariah is a guy that's done that. I think I think uh, Brock Jordan's done a phenomenal job. I mean, he has really, really impressed me. Um, just really fired up about what he's done, the mentality he has, um, the way he approaches every single day and how hard, uh, you know, how badly he wants it. It was something that we talked about when I first came in here about just his mentality of what he was trying to do. And, uh, uh, he's done a, done a fantastic job. Um, uh, I think, you know, uh, Alex Howie, um, you know, is a guy that, that, that here had been here now a couple of years and, um, you can see he's really gotten stronger and better in the weight room and you can see improvements in his play and, and, uh, he's gained some valuable reps here. And, and I think, you know, continues to be able to add depth and, and compete for an opportunity on the field. I mean, that's the thing. These guys are, they're not just names that are just being tossed out. They're competing for opportunities. And I think that they have a chance to, to help us, um, you know, I like I like Richard Bates. I think Richard Bates is really athletic. I think he's done some good things. I know he's played um, a bit of ball for us in the past here at Eastern, and I think he's got to continue to keep coming on and keep practicing and, and, and playing with the mentality that he has. Uh, you know, then like uh, Dimitri and, and, and Tez, you know, I think both those guys have, have, have done a nice job continuing to adjust and continuing to find ways to improve, um, you know, and just kind of chipping away every day. And I think we got a lot of young offensive linemen that I think have some size, ability, movement stuff that I think they're going to just keep, you know, you just got to keep feeding them. You know, you just got to keep feeding them and getting them better, not just food for their body, right? But feed them with your fundamentals, feed them with the film work. You know, you know, Jimmy McAdams of the world, the Will Raceleys of the world, the Coleon Smiths, the uh, Jason Eaton, Zach Conti, those type, you know, uh, Daniel Green, Peter, those guys, you just got to keep – keep bringing them on, keep bringing them along, keep finding ways to, um, you know, connect things. You know, uh, Mickey's done a nice, I mean, there's just so many of those guys. I'm, I'm really, really impressed. And I think the thing I'm most impressed about with this group is uh, Mike and Jake, when I first talked to them, right, I, I accepted the job from Coach Creighton and we did a, we did a Zoom with the O-line and then I made it a point to call those two seniors, you know, they're the two seniors. And then I called city and then Dooley and kind of worked my way through the group. But I called those two guys and uh, I'll never forget. Both of them said, coach, we love everything you have to say. The number one thing we want to do is we felt like we've created a standard in this room and we want somebody that wants to come in here and uphold it and then take us to another level. And when you got players telling you that and you got players asking you for that and you got players hungry for that and they've already they've already felt like they've established a standard and they want to raise it another level. I mean, that that to me is really, really special. So I'm, I'm extremely excited about the work that this group's put in and and, uh, you know, where we could take it from here. Spending a few final moments with Eastern Michigan offensive line coach Sean Coughlin, who is in his first spring ball with Eastern Michigan as they continue to wind down into their final few practices before closing up shop here next week. And coach, you know, Greg and I have gotten to experience this firsthand, and now you are too. There is knowing about Chris Creighton, and then there is knowing Chris Creighton. <laughs> What is what has it been like now to actually get here and see, you know, for, for me, it was knowing kind of what he was about, but then actually seeing it in action and, and getting to hear him speak and, and how he lives throughout that every day. And now you getting to have that experience too. What is, what's, what's been some of your early takeaways from not only working 
here for him, but also just this university as a whole and the opportunity you guys have here to continue to build this program. Yeah, you know, I think that I think this place is is I think just continually on the on the rise, and I think the football program has continued to improve under Coach Creighton's direction. But that doesn't come come just along from Coach Creighton. Obviously, the administration and the athletic administration and 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 the, the support that they're working to, to do to bring to Eastern Michigan football. You can see it. I mean, it's evident, right? You can see the the beautiful building we have here. Uh, the facility is is incredible. Um, I was at Arkansas State the last two years, and we had built a brand new facility, and uh, it was a really nice setup. And and this this place is is on par with that. I mean, it's a really, really nice building and the way it's set up for the players and the weight room and the, the meeting rooms and just the access to different things. I mean, it, it's, it's exactly what you want. And, you know, obviously I know they're continuing to try to find ways to add more, right? You want to see the continuous building and those type of things. And I know that's what the administration with Scott and everybody they want to do here and get that done. And I know coach Creighton wants that as well, but is speaking on coach Creighton, just on him, the thing I can tell you is, is that um, the man is extremely passionate and um, you, you can tell that when you talk to him, when you first start talking to him, but then when you work day to day with him, you see the passion, you see the desire, you see the, the mentality, the mindset, um, you know, he's hungry to be, to be great. I mean, he talks about let's be our best every day. I mean, finding ways to be our best. How can we be our best? And then how can we get, how can we best that the next day? Um, and it's not just lip service. It's just not. Um, I've been coaching for 20 years. I've been around some great head coaches and some great coaching staffs and, and, and been blessed to be under some really, really phenomenal head coaches. And I, I'm telling you what, Coach Creighton is, 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 I mean, he's special, man. I mean, it just, the way he approaches things and the relationship that he builds with the players and, you know, the players, I mean, they go to bat from the culture that's been created here is not just by mistake. You know, it's not just like, it doesn't just happen. You have to build that thing. And it's evident. I could tell when I walked in here, this is one of the closest knit football teams I've ever seen. And uh, it's one of the hardest working group of guys I've seen just from the top all the way down. You know, when you're talking all the guys that are in the room and I think that starts at the top and, and what he, what he's envisioned and what he's created and it carries through the assistants. The coaches are that way too. I mean, this is a, a group of guys. It's a great group of dudes. I mean, phenomenal group of coaches to go to work with every day. And then it carries into the players. Right. And I think that's what you see. And so he's put his, put his stamp on what this is and, and, and what he wants. But if I had to sum it up in one word, it's passionate. Um, and then, but you know, I mean, super intelligent, unbelievable as far as relations are concerned, uh, Heart, you know, you talk about blue collar. There ain't there ain't very many people more blue collar than him. I mean, he's gonna roll his sleeves up and go to work. I mean, he's the head football coach, but you know, he's digging in on offense. He's talking with Coach Nethery about the defense. He's digging into special teams. He's coaching all the time, uh, recruiting. Con I mean, he is on par, on point, really working. So when you have a guy that you watch and you see the head coach set that standard of passion and hard work and blue collar uh, as an assistant, it just makes you want to continue to be better. So uh, I'm super blessed to be here. Uh, super excited about, you know, getting an opportunity to work with coach Creighton and this staff every day. And, and uh, I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity than here at Eastern Michigan. John, we're thankful we're, you're here. We're thankful that you had a few minutes to join us and we look forward to seeing you out there at the uh, spring game coming up on the 16th. 
Sounds great, guys. Really appreciate you. Thanks for your time, Coach Coughlin. Uh, we appreciate it. Alex and I back after this. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. We welcome in the longtime voice of the Mid-American Conference in Michael Regai. When you think of the Mid-American Conference, the biggest moments on the biggest stage have been called by his voice over time, a 30-year relationship with the league, and one of my broadcast heroes, Michael Regai, joins us. Reg, you look at this. You and the MAC go hand-in-hand. How did you ever come about developing that relationship with this league. Greg, first of all, it's great to be with you and Alex. Uh, really appreciate uh, you having me on. And of course, your, your words are, are way too kind. And I appreciate that as well. And you're right, though, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where it, uh, and we can discuss that, but it does mean a lot to me about uh, young broadcasters and young men and women that, uh, that want to make this their profession. And I'm very big on that because I feel like it's, it's something I, I want to do and need to do in terms of uh, doing everything I can to help pave roads. I got my opportunity. Um, you know, if you guys uh, remember, it was back in uh, the late 80s, that, uh, which was the forerunner of, I guess it's now Bally Sports. It was, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting that down now. Bally Sports, uh, of course, Fox Sports, all the Fox Sports regionals. It was called Sports Channel uh, back then, if you recall. This is the late 80s. And, and actually in the 86 is when I started doing Mac football and basketball. And uh, then Sports Channel picked that up on all the Sports Channel affiliates. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, it wasn't just here in the Midwest. It was uh, all throughout the country. I mean, New York, um, uh, in Florida and Philadelphia. So there was a lot of eyes and ears on uh, Mac football and basketball going back to that time. But, you know, I mean, I just uh, right place at the right time, I guess, Greg and Alex, you know, got the opportunity and uh, of course, uh, you know, I grew up on the east side of Detroit in the city, so uh, I had a pretty good feel, especially for, you know, quite, quite honestly, the three Michigan uh, MAC universities, and but had a pretty good feel for the conference. I'd say, you know, is behind the Big Ten, you know, when you're growing up as a kid in Detroit, I mean, that's... Uh, that's who you kind of uh, align with. And so, um, yeah, that, that's how it happened for me. And uh, I really loved it, kept doing it. And, you know, the thing for me, people ask, well, those, as it was like, you know, I did the Cavaliers for 14 years in the NBA and Major League Baseball with the Baltimore Orioles for eight. But that during that period of time, it, it cut down a little bit. I wasn't able to do all the Mac games that, uh, you know, were available, but I certainly, uh, if, if I had a day off from those and somebody asked me to call Mac football or basketball, damn it, I was going to do it because, um, you know, it's uh, a passion of mine and something I love very, very much. You mentioned growing up on the east side of Detroit. And yeah. Detroit and Eastern have that connection. I mean, mm-hmm. when you come to EMU, you're usually blue collar. You have to work for everything you get. Detroit, certainly that same way. 
when you look at the values of this region, and I, I think you embody that, you, you, you're a hard worker, you're always go-getting, uh, you never slow down for anything. How do you think that the region helped instill some of those values in you? Oh, well, no question about that. You know, again, when you talk about, um, you know, being blue collar, I mean, uh, you know, my, my family, the uh, my dad, a Detroit cop, uh, two of his brothers, my uncles, you know, Detroit firemen. So, you know, I mean, that's it. Uh, that that's how I grew up. I mean, for those that know the city, I grew up in the neighborhoods just east of Belle Isle on Jefferson Avenue on the Detroit River. Um, so that, um, yeah, it is all about that. It's about uh, you understand real, real quickly, Greg and Alex, that uh, oh, you talk about blue collar and that, you know, I learned at a very young age is nobody going to give you anything, young fella. You know, it's uh, you better you better be ready to work for everything. And if you're going to gain any success and it is the only way to, to gain success is to by uh, earning it and earning it thusly for what you put into it. And there's got to be a lot of effort, enthusiasm, energy, and passion with that. So, um, you know, pretty much I kind of used my upbringing and my background growing up on those Detroit streets and, uh, you know, again, you, you, you wind up figuring out that, you know what, everybody that's telling you that that's correct. That is the right way. And it's, it's the way things have to be done. So, uh, you know, you just hope that, uh, that you, you do it the right way and things work out well. So I, no complaints there for me. I, I feel blessed and, and honored and humble too. Every fan has broadcasters in their life that have made a huge impact on their game day experience. You know, for me growing up in Detroit, it's somebody maybe like a Matt Shepard, a Ken Cal uh, for Greg, it, it could be his idols out of Cincinnati or, or even you, as he said, but we don't often get to ask the actual play-by-play -play mm. broadcaster himself. Who are those people for you that when you were young and aspiring to be in this role is someone that you looked up to in, in terms of giving you your kind of style and inspiration? Sure. And, uh, and obviously for me, as I said, the Detroit play-by-play -play announcers, Tigers, Lions, Pistons, Red Wings. I mean, that, that was it. I mean, I, again, I, I feel as, uh, you know, you, you love sports. And when I grew up, you know, I grew up as a kid in the sixties and in the early seventies. And, uh, so, you know, for me, Ernie Harwell, you know, Ernie Harwell in baseball, without question, I think one of the legendary, iconic voices of the game. I mean, and uh, again, you you don't have to be from Detroit to know Ernie Harwell. I mean, just the very, very best. Um, uh, George Blaha, I was a, it's, it's amazing he's still going. I, you know, love George. I was a sophomore, a sophomore at Cast Tech, I think, when uh, George got his start with the uh, the Pistons, calling the Piston games out of, you know, Cobo Arena, their home back then. And um, so those two uh, gentlemen by the name of Van Patrick, late great Van Patrick, called the Detroit Lions on the radio then. And uh, Bud Lynch and Bruce Martin were the Detroit Red Wings play-by-play -play guys. And again, now this is going back to the 60s when I was a kid. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, uh, those guys, for me, uh, Ray Lane as well. Ray then became Ernie Harwell's partner with uh, the Detroit Tigers and got to know Ray personally as well as the years went on. So, you know, just I think um, 
it's it's something that where you grow up and those voices are the ones that uh, a lot of times put you to sleep at night when you're a kid. And those are the ones that you, uh, you know, you hang in there every word and gravitate toward. And so, again, I just feel lucky at the, when I was gr- growing up, fellas, in the 60s, Detroit was the uh, the fifth largest city in the country, you know, fifth largest urban area of the country, New York, L.A., Chicago, Philly, and then Detroit. So to have four sports major league professional sports franchises, uh, you know, only those cities that I mentioned and a couple others. Now the now more do. But back then, you know, that was pretty much it. And uh, so, again, to grow up in that atmosphere every day and to be able to uh, that's how I how I got a feel for as a little kid. Well, this is how you call sports. And this is this is what uh, and and the great impact and effect it has on the city, too. And, and the fans of those, those uh, respective teams. So, yeah, to me, it was something that uh, I'll always cherish and have so fortunate to have that opportunity to be able to listen to those kind of uh, tremendous play-by-play talents every day. Well, we're going to go down the rabbit hole of all the sports that we can talk about here on this episode. But you, you did mention – uh, Detroit. And while we're on the topic, I, mm-hmm. I did think it was important to ask you because you've you're somebody that has stayed fairly nearby in your life and have mm-hmm. certainly stayed up to date. It, it's got to be as a native Detroiter. It's got to be nice to see the city kind of coming full circle yeah. and the resurgence that the city and the region has had. And it's similar. I mean, you're you're a Cleveland guy now, but it's a similar story for Cleveland too. How important is it for a cities like Detroit and Cleveland to be experiencing some of this revitalization that they are now? Uh, no question, Alex, because uh, let, let's be honest, there was a time when uh, things were looking rather bleak in the city of Detroit in terms of uh, you know, urban flight and so many. I mean, again, when I mentioned that, I mean, there was a time when Detroit's population was uh, in the million four, a million five. That's in the city proper. And I, I don't know the last time I looked, I don't know, it was down to about is it 600,000 now. So it's about half of what it was, you know. And But, but again, you got to remember during those periods, I mean, you know, Motown, right? The Motor City. I mean, the big three were going tremendously it's uh, automotive side it revved the whole country and so jobs were plentiful and what have you and then that changes and uh that was when detroit took a big hit so no i'm thrilled pleased i just was uh you know went back uh went back home and went around the city um over easter weekend and I was very, very pleased a lot of the things I saw. And when I say go around the city, I mean, I don't just mean that. I go in the neighborhoods, too. All those neighborhoods I grew up in, you know, on the east side to see where they're at now. And uh, there's work to be done, but I'm happy, very pleased that there seems to be an aggressive uh, want and desire to get back to having the neighborhoods thriving again. So that that's very, very good to see, Alex. And I'm glad you brought that up, too. Allowed me to say I went back last, last week to check it out because – I do it all. I try to do it three or four times a year just to it. You know, it's for memories, all the playgrounds and what have you that, you know, all the gyms that uh, I played in uh, during the, the, the growing up as a youth. And I mean, it's uh, a lot of them aren't there now, but uh, it still is something I, I will always relish and cherish. Like you said, Alex, I mean, yes, I've, I've been in Cleveland and, you know, I started started working here. Uh, at the ABC affiliate in in 19 
83, late 83, and then getting the Cavs job. So, yes, I've, I've stayed here, but, um, you know, I say it, and I know people here know it. I, uh, I'm born and raised in Detroit, man, and that's always oh, – that's never going to change, and that's always going to, uh, you know, be the top spot in my heart. Before we pivot to, to Eastern Michigan and the Mac is in general, I, I, a quick story. Uh, of course, growing up in, in Bluffton, Ohio, and Northwest mm-hmm. Ohio in the 1980s. Uh, Lima, Lima, baby. Lima, Ohio, <laughs> very big part of my life. When yes. you think of Lima, there, there are three things. There's the bank plant, there's QP hamburger, QP. and there's turning out great broadcasters. Michael Regai was there. Mark Beyer was there, and one of my, my mentors was Vince Coza, who, who, of course, left us way too soon. But you think of, uh, of Lima and your experience there. How did it help, uh, help you grow? I was, of course, at the other station in town years later, WOSL. Right. We, we did not have the, the kind of flamethrowing stick that, that LIO had. But what, did, what, what do you remember from those days? Vince Goza, uh, God rest his soul. I mean, I, uh, I thought the world of Vince, we, we only were together. I, I, I was only there like literally 13 months and, but really loved my time there. And Vince was the, uh, the, the major factor in that he'd already been there for, I think five years, four years, somewhere in there, but he was the, um, he was the uh, Monday through Friday sports guy. And I did the weekends and, Man, we had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I just enjoyed the uh, the people of the, the town. Um, I love their passion for sports, Greg. You know that. You know that. I, I mean, it's a that's a sports crazy town. It's um, uh, and I really, really uh, got a feel for. Um, you know, I'd been in uh, Napoleon, you know, before that was a small town, but I thought, yeah, okay, this is. So this is, uh, you know, this Ohio thing now. This is what this really is about, huh, in terms of uh, sports and uh, how rabid the fan bases are and how they look at it. So I, uh, I really love my time in, in, in Lima and really, really enjoyed my time, as you said, with the late Vince Coza. Tremendous guy. Tremendous man. Missed. Missed. Big time. Big time force. I'd say the number one, always going to be the number one guy in the history of Lima sports. Uh, broadcast. No, without doubt. Passionate. He knew everybody. Yep. And probably also you think about it. I mean, there was not a person in the state. He couldn't call up when yeah. he needed to. And, and that probably also wore off on, on you to develop those relationships. As we're talking with Michael Ray guy, you, you think about people in our jobs in Alex and I day-to-day role, of course, in the SID role, it's vital for, for broadcasters to, to have those relationships with us to help get to the coaches. Mm-hmm. When you think of, of legendary people like that, how have you been able to, to build the relationships with the Jim Streeters, the Joe Hernandez, the, the Paul Helgrens of the world to make your life better? Uh, you name three of the best right there. I mean, uh, you know, I'm very, very fond of streets. Jim Streeter always have been. And, uh, you know, met him early on while, uh, as I said, mid eighties started doing the, uh, calling Mac football and basketball games. So certainly, uh, met Jim early on. You mentioned Joe Hernandez, who I just believe for ball state got put into a hall of fame. Did he not? 
was it the Ball State Hall of Fame or an Indiana Sports Hall of Fame? He's but going in the Ball State Hall of Fame. Ball State up. Hall of Fame. Ball State mm-hmm. alum and grad. I mean, well done. Tremendous, tremendous guy with a wealth of knowledge. And um, again, you know, Paul Helgren at the University of Toledo, same thing. Paul went to uh, Michigan grad, you know, Michigan Wolverine, and but uh, you know has been in Toledo forever. And you know the, those three, I think uh, you hit on the three that uh, the tenure is the longest for all three of them. But yeah, they to me see they epitomize more. And again, I'm not fellas. I'm not saying you're old now. I'm just saying, you three epitomize to me those three. You know, uh, Streeter and uh, Hernandez and Helgren, they were there or they're very early in my time in the Mac, you know, uh, already there. And in Paul's case, virtually there a couple years after that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're the lifeblood, Greg. I mean, you guys know that. And I, I have tremendous respect for, uh, sports information directors. You guys want, you guys have, you don't have an easy job, man. You got it coming at you from a lot of different ways, coaches of the programs, of course, and you got to make sure they're happy, um, with whom you're working for and, uh, liking the way things are being done. And again, those days, and we know the coaches have days when they're not happy and guess who hears about it? You too. You know, you two hear about that initially, like it's your fault that, uh, you know, somebody did not write the most favorable column or say something the most favorably on the air. So, um, again, I know. So you always have a good ally in me is what I'm saying to you, because I'm always going to champion your cause and all like you two. So the SIDs, you know. Keep doing your thing, and you got to have thick skin, and um, and I know every SID knows that anyway. That's it for this edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. For Greg Steiner, I'm Alex Jewell, reminding you to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts or go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your digital media to stay connected with us every Monday. As always, follow us on social media for the most up-to-date information on EMU Athletics.